Now just a quick word from one of the sponsors of this show. As you know by now, I've lived in Saigon, Vietnam for three years, and one of the reasons I've done so is that I've found a selection of places that give me a home away from home feeling. One of these places is Yujus in Tao Dien, also Haga Smart Tech. Now both of these are owned by the same lady, Han, who has appeared on the podcast to discuss her business journey from the countryside in Hoi An, Vietnam, all the way to the big city of Saigon, setting up two businesses in her brand and her image, prioritizing honesty, integrity, good quality customer service, and friendly care. If you are in the Taodian region, I highly recommend you go to Haga Smart Tech to deal with any of your electronic devices, and you juice if you want completely healthy fruit juices, smoothies, and protein shakes. That's you juice and also Haga Smart Tech. I will include the links in the show notes. Thank you, and on with the rest of the show. Welcome back to the Comeback Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Connor, and as you know by now, I interview people from Saigon, Vietnam, and also around the world about what they do, why, and more. And today, I have someone who has links to Hanoi, Phu Quoc, and Saigon. She lives in Hanoi. We met in Phu Quoc. We're now meeting in Saigon, and she is coming back on Comeback. Excuse the foot pun. It is Pham Tree Me from episode 62, I believe, back in the day in Phu Quoc. She's now in Saigon and we'll catch up from where we left off in May 2021. How are you, me? Hello, so excited. Yeah, this is the comeback, literally. Yeah, the comeback of comeback. The comeback of comebacks. <laughs> How do you find being in Saigon as opposed to Hanoi? Um, I love Saigon. I always love Saigon so much. I used to live here for a while, like three years before coming back to Hanoi. The weather is lovely, the people are so lovely. So I feel, I feel not going on a business trip or like traveling more, more stuff. Most of the time, I feel like I'm going home. Yes. Yeah. Your second home, is that Saigon? Yeah, it's second home. Oh, ah, now I think Phu Quoc also. I was going to say, where does Phu Quoc fit in? Because <laughs> as we mentioned before we recorded, we met in Phu Quoc. Yeah. We met on a pretty spectacular night. And then the next night we recorded, <laughs> the next day. But you love Phu Quoc. I mean, I love Phu Quoc. <laughs> I mean, I love all the beaches, but like Phu Quoc is one of the best ones. Yeah. I, I came to Phu Quoc like every year four times or five times. What is it about Phu Quoc? The beaches, the vibe, the people? Why does it keep coming mm, back to you? Phu Quoc has everything. If you want party, you have parties. If you want like a nice, silent, like quiet beach, you have that. And also when you came to some, you come to some places for too many times, you have people that you know there also. So I can come to the bar, I can travel there myself and come to the bar and the bar people that know me. So pretty cool. Would you live in Phu Quoc? Uh, probably not now. No. Maybe, maybe later when I'm, oh, I'm a bit when older. When you're retired. <laughs> Just chill by the beach. Could be a very nice place to retire. I think so. Like, I thought before, like, I love Phu Quoc. It is also probably my favorite place. Mm-hmm. Besides maybe Da Nang. It's a very close toss-up. Mm. But living there would be, I think it would lose the fun. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I think I get bored of living by a beach. No, I don't know what you think of that. I feel like I'd take the beach for granted. It's, it's, a, it's a big topic of like living in a city mm. or living in an island. It's not about the beach. Like, you know, in Da Nang, you have both the city and the beach. That's why Da Nang is like the most wanted place. Yeah. But like in Fukuok, it's a bit far from everything. And also I have a son, so I need to put him first. There's no, there's not, well, let's say that there's not the education that I want to put him into in the in the island. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I do want to talk actually more perhaps about your son, because mm-hmm. last time we only kind of scratched the surface because the whole <laughs> interview was about 12 minutes, so we couldn't get we too much. We both so hangover. Yeah, I think I had hangover. my hair of the dog, one of those IPAs, yeah. and I was just 
trying, <laughs> trying to get through that interview. And I was trying to appear coherent to you. Mm-hmm. I met you and your friends outside and I thought, oh no, I'm just not in the state. <laughs> but we, we persevered. But um, city versus beach, I think if you, maybe I'm biased because I've lived in three places in my life. Mm-hmm. They're Manchester, Sheffield and Saigon, they're all cities. Mm. I'll be varying kind of qualities, etc. So I feel like if I lived on a beach, the idea for me of going to the beach is holiday, it's vacation, it's relax. If I live by the beach, it's just a, it's just normal. It loses its appeal. I know. Maybe that's why. When I crave for the beach once in a while, so I, I can't live in the city for two more than a month or something. I'm saying, okay, I need to go to the beach. But I, I don't know if I if leave in the beach already. Maybe it's lost interest in me. Yeah. Like I'm not sure that we want it every day or something. What is the nearest beach to Hanoi? Oof. Um, Halong. Halong, of course, yeah, yeah, of course. Some other thing like no, so but the beach in Vietnam in the north is not like in the south or in the middle. Mm. It's not clear enough. It's not. It's always grey sky, grey water, and mm, not Absolutely. really my thing. I think the scenery and I suppose the tourist attractions are better up north. Mountain. Yeah. And, yeah, and the green like you know feel and stuff. Yeah. More than the beach. The places beach you yeah. need to go to the, the south. at least the middle. At least the middle. Yeah. yeah. Places like Nimbin, Halong Bay, Sapa, beautiful. For, green. Yeah. Yeah. Greenery, mountains, activities. I guess like touristy things. Bin Hazan. Uh, I get, no, that's my you need to that's go. top of my list. Yeah, yeah top yeah. of my list. Did you go for Tet holiday? No, I went there in April. In okay. April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So lovely. Yeah. You're driving in the in the middle of LA with like whole mountain. You feel so lucky. That sounds like, amazing. So so lucky. Are you driving on a motorbike? Yeah, I, oh, I was okay. driving a motorbike. You, you can cycle it though, right? I can cycle there. Can you? Can, you can cycle the Haigang Loop. Is that correct? Hasn't. Mm, I don't think so. It's quite. It's quite, it's quite far for everything. So even driving takes ages. Right. So okay. I, I think I think more of uh, the be- the best way is to drive. Drive the motorbike. Yeah. yeah. Bike. I think I spoke to you once. Did you cycle from Saigon to? No, it's not me. But I, I did cycle a lot. I planned to cycle from Saigon to Nha Trang, but it didn't happen because I can't rent a bike. Ah, yeah. um, but I just cycle a lot around Hanoi, for example, from Hanoi to Sok Son, so like 40k, 40 kilometer away, and back and forth, back and forth. It's quite lovely to cycle like um, when it's a flat, not too much of like mountain. Yeah. In, in Fukuok, you can cycle from the center to the north. It's around 60, 70k, right, okay. something like that. How long would that take you? Um, no, back and forth would be like, I don't know, three hours. Three hours or something. Yeah, that sounds good because I've got into cycling quite a lot recently, mm. and it's just that thing where Saigon is pretty tricky to cycle. Yeah. Like I, I do not. I'm looking outside right now. I do not feel safe <laughs> cycling throughout there. But in a place like I suppose Hanoi, where you have the lake and the old quarter, yeah. then it would kind of work. Yeah, yeah. There's some specific like I'm not cycling around Taehu now because it's quite crowded. Mm. But you, you, you find the other way. So in Saigon, I think you can cycle down to the D2 and D9. On that side, I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's that could be. It's a tricky one, but maybe one day I'll find yeah. it. Yeah. I am wondering about Hanoi before we move on to your son. Can I ask you about Hanoi pre and post tourism? Where I think I've told you, I've been six times. Five was when the border was shut, and the sixth time I went, there was just this completely different atmosphere where I was overwhelmed with tourists and people asking me if I wanted ladies or anything <laughs> around the old quarter. What was it like when tourism came back to Hanoi? Uh, it was buzzing, like everyone's happy. Um, ha- you need to see the old quarter when it's in lockdown or like after lockdown. I mean, before the tourists coming back. Mm. It's sad. It's really, really sad. Like all the business closed and everything's like not open. And people like trying to make small money because they can't have the big business going. 
So I think the good thing is like the tourists coming back. We are happy the other day came into coming to the old quarter and they're full of tourists. They started to listen to the backpackers' stories and and have like cheap beers and stuff, which is so so good to see that. Yeah. I think, but yeah, come to the negative things like always the the bad things coming back. Absolutely. Like also, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love the bit hoys in Hanoi. Yeah. We can go with the tourists and locals alike and whatnot. So cheap, like 5k, 6k? Something ridiculous, yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I also had that where I went on a tour to Sapa mm-hmm. and there were seven of us and I was just talking to them and they said, yeah, we're off to Singapore next, then Thailand. And everyone was like, where are you off to next? I said, oh, I live here. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> You're an expert? I was like, yeah. And then they asked me to speak Vietnamese, which didn't go down well because <laughs> I know my but yo, also. Depending on then. A little bit, yeah, yeah. The essentials. Yeah. One thing that I think we should talk about, because the first time we met, as we've alluded to, we were absolutely dying with a hangover, is we mentioned that you have a son and you had a son at a very, very young age. Yeah. But we didn't really go into too much depth about what that's like. <laughs> were you twenty four when you had I your son? I was twenty three. When I gave birth. Wow. That's young, yeah. That I is know. extremely young. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it was young when you mentioned about age, but it was kind of a say a dream but I always want to have a baby I, the only thing like so when you are secondary school or in high school people then ask like, what you want to be when you're older I was like, I want to be a mom that's really a thing that I'm aiming for in my life so I, I want to be a mom way before I'm actually being a mom and then then that's it it's not really like too early for me but still age is really really young and you have all the pressure of being a mom at the young age you have your responsibilities as well yeah Definitely. depression and stuff everything yeah that's crazy like not many people when I remember high school, said they wanted to be a parent. I know. That was the first thing. What was it, do you think, that gave you that insight that that was the first thing that came mm. to mind? I don't know. Like, I really love kids. I love children. Um, and I always, like, uh, I don't have instincts in my, in my life because I want to be a mom so much. I have beautiful family. Yeah, my mom's really take care of me, took care of me all the time. So I think that's one of the things I want to have a baby to take care of myself. And that's it. That, that's the only thing I want to yeah. do. I'm not sure if this is a question I should ask, but I'll still pose it and repel it mm-hmm, if you wish. Mm-hmm. What was the moment like when you gave birth? Or the moment where you first saw your son? Uh, cry, <laughs> <laughs> of course. It was also it was like an operation. And um, she gave, I never forgot that moment. So like, she gave me the baby, I was like, oh my gosh, you shouldn't cry because it's embarrassing. But the tear just come out. You can't, you couldn't stop it. It just come out. And it's, it's just tired. I'm really, really tired after operation. And they took the sun away and you just left for a couple of hours. Just to relax, wow. Mm. Yeah, I can just only imagine the feeling of like, <laughs> seeing your child the first time. I, I do hope to be a father one day. So it's just interesting hearing the perspective of yeah. like, once that happens. Yeah. No, that's an incredible moment. You will never forget it. Yeah. Never. Definitely. I don't think, could you ever replace that moment with anything? Nah. Anything nah. ever come close? No. No. Best moment of your that's life? That's the best moment of your life. Something come out of your body. Come on. Yeah. Think about it. Something comes out of your body and you hold it. You are a creator of life. Yeah, you, you are literally a creator you of life. You create a human being. Yeah. I've always thought, and it's a weird one where I don't really, I try not to get involved in like the men versus women debate, but I think one thing that women have which is incredible is the ability to give life. Like you, yeah. like, that is something I will never experience. And hey, I've got all the plus, pluses, I guess, but I will never be like a birther or yeah. a giver of life. It's like, it must be extraordinary. That's really great. Absolutely. So once you've, I suppose once that's died down, uh, not died down, that's probably the wrong word. Once the tiredness has subsided, so you've gone through the operation, you've given birth, 
what happens next? Because there's never like a manual. Oh my gosh. There's not a manual, is there? Okay, okay. So like, um, listen, I really, I'm really ready to have a baby since I was a kid. I want to have a baby since I got like so young. But then the first month having a baby is a freaking nightmare. Because the baby, like, so the baby never look at you. So something just born and you need to feed it. You need to feed him. You need to care about how he's crying, why he's crying, blah, blah, blah. And he's not even look at you. He doesn't even show, he didn't show any reaction. He didn't show any appreciation to you. It's horrible. And I was, I was young. I, I, read, I read something, but I'm not too much. So like, oh shit, I don't know what to do with the kid. I'm stressed. And everyone just pressure, like, you need to do this, you need to do that. Like, everyone has be, like, their opinions about having a baby and how to take care of a baby. That's all the stress to a woman who's like 23 years old. That is too much. I got depression for like almost a year after mm, that. Still. Yeah, I believe that's common. And I, from what my understanding is, and of course I don't have direct experience, is that perhaps you see the baby and you know how much effort and the toll it's taking yeah. on you to deliver. And if it doesn't even look at you, like yeah, you can obviously yeah. tell me, does it creep into your mind? Oh, have I done something wrong? Or like, is there something wrong? Does that happen? It happens a lot also, like when you give birth to a baby, be- before you give birth to him, um, everyone took care of you. Everyone, oh, you look lovely. You're like, oh, you, please be careful. You don't drive, shouldn't, blah, blah. When the baby's got, like, get out, everyone just appreciate the baby. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's a lovely baby, blah, blah. No one cares about the mom anymore. And we, we feel like leftover, we feel like we, we, we missed out, we've been like, oh my gosh, please talk about me. And that was the thing, and the thing was like, that, that, that thing, not look at me, not appreciate what I'm done, is really pissed me off. Mm, I can imagine. Yeah. Was there a sense of like, uh, maybe, I'm trying to think of how to describe this. So of course, you know, the, the months leading up to it, so seven mm-hmm. or eight months, everyone's excited, you get the questions, yeah. when's the new arrival, yeah, people yeah. are there giving you flowers, baby showers. Is there a sense of, not anti-climax, but you know once it's delivered, is it almost a, right, it's serious time now, that kind of feeling. Does that come up? It, I, I barely have a time to think about anything. It just comes up to like, you need to, wow, listen, you can't sleep any sleep more than two hours. You could just cry all the time, like mm. eat food all the time. And I don't know what happened to the baby. I just fed him, just fed him, and now he's crying again. I don't know what happened. You don't have time to think. You don't have time to rest for the first, I think, at least two months really stressful you even even some now when they have some sort of um, let, let's say how to raise a kid properly like how to very do it in, in in a routine and stuff still you can't really sleep more than two hours and that change a lot I change a lot of your routine of oh, normal normal you sleep like at least eight hours per night now you can't do that just change it so hormones and everything you, yep. you, you don't have time to think. Yeah, I can only imagine. And is it correct that you were, were you a single mom? Uh, I was not a single mom by that time. Mm. I got married, I got husband uh, at that time. And we are just single mom like five years ago, so. Oh, uh, okay, okay, <laughs> apologies, apologies. Yeah, yeah. No, because I, I remember last time we alluded to the fact that it wasn't easy yeah, in terms yeah. of like a marriage and the situation. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, like, I guess, you know, if, I don't, if you don't mind me asking you, when did it get tricky in terms of parenting with somebody else and when did you have to do it by yourself um like how is it different or yeah i'd say so and like when did it all begin where you went from being a co-parent mm. to a single parent mm, when, when was it yeah uh when my son was three already okay yeah so it's like 
a bit of our time. We have a lot of argument when he was a baby. Because mm. like we're different in like point of view and then his family and my family has different points of view. And we were young, like we both are very young. He's like four years older than me, so he's just 26. Yeah. 26, 27, I'm like 22, 23. So it still like depends on our parents of how, what, what their opinion of raising a kid. Why I'm like, I start to read, I was like, oh, no, I want to raise a kid this way. And all the parents just like, no, 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 you can't, blah, blah, blah. You're young, you can't decide it. Um, so yeah, we have a lot of different, and then we got some moment, we're like, oh, we should, we should break up straight away, like, but we still continue on to his, his three. And then it's come to the point that we not keep me anymore. Yeah, I'm trying to think. When I was 23, which was only a year ago, <laughs> I'm talking like back, on, in my day, back in my day. Yeah, but I, I'm 24 now, 25 in two weeks, and I don't think I've still figured out myself fully. Yeah. Like, at 23, like, we've spoken a lot actually about, mm. say, self esteem and becoming and realizing our identity mm. as well. What were you like at 23 in terms of, I guess, your own stages of self esteem or confidence? That's a lot. It's like, um, I did, I did, when back years ago when someone asked me like should we have a baby early age i was like yeah hell go hell for it like oh my gosh have a baby in early age is really good but now when i'm older thinking about it i was like you should be ready mentally physically financially then have a baby then it's fine to have a baby if you like if you're not ready you're not sure that you want to have a baby you're not ready with like either of those things Please don't have a baby yet. Because <laughs> it's a huge commitment. It's a huge thing. It's a lifetime commitment. It's a, it's, yeah, a lifetime commitment. Like, someone really still, like, scared of commitment with a person. Mm -hmm. Then now you commit for freaking, like, at least 18 years with someone. Yeah, it's not, it's not It's not an easy job. No, so. absolutely. That's why, in terms of my own situation, I, mm. I'm trying to work out my mental, physical, emotional, and financial resources before I start thinking and I need, I need a partner first actually that would be a step <laughs> to having a baby but um, along that, that, those lines then this is all going on I, I mean are you trying to I suppose juggle like who you are as a person and also who you are as a mum is that coming into conflict at any point throughout your early years? Mm, I think in my early age I try to that was that was the thing that I just found out a couple of years ago and I got a divorce already I try to cover myself so like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fake that I ready for a family I'm ready because I love my ex-husband so much so I'm saying I'm quite try to fit myself into with him try to fit myself to be okay I'm ready to be the wife I'm ready to be a mom I was not ready I was not ready about I'm not knowledgeable enough I'm not like I don't understand enough about what it is to be a wife or it is to be a mom um, so I think I'm trying to fit it Try to fake it until I make it. <laughs> but yeah, um, and now I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm, I'm fully myself now after a divorce. But still, I'm a mom, so like I have to mix it up to feel like balance both like mom's life and a white girl life. <laughs> and it's going good. Yeah, I was wondering about, for example, you mentioned you can't be ready, but you know if you've had the child, like mm. do you not have to be ready? Because it's, it, it's yeah. happened, yeah, it's happened enough. Yeah, your posture to be ready. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, the first, I think the first couple of months of having a baby, I was rushing myself, rushing myself to read a lot of books about how to raise a kid. Mm. And I'd be joining all the groups, like moms and stuff, to like, oh my gosh, shit myself. What, what is happening with him? What is like going on here? Why is he still crying? That's a question all the time. But then I need, you need to be push yourself to be ready because you create a things already. <laughs> now you need to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. Were there any particular influences for you at that point? Any mentors, any guidance, any resources like books or videos that mm. you found really useful? So um, there's um, 
there's a group now called Easy Baby. I'm not sure they still call that. There are three founders, like all the group. I used to be, I used to follow them when they were not that popular until now. They're very popular now. They wrote, they wrote a book already. But then I follow them and I chat with them. They say, okay, this is the way we should raise a child, blah, blah. It's like a, it's like a, a role model that I say, okay, I want to be, I want my, my child to be like that. And so I follow them, I text them a lot. And kind of that thing, so when I, when I feel like women helps women out. So I'm still in the in middle of a mess with like how to raise a kid. But some people just came out and showed me like, okay, this is the way we raise a kid. Do you want to follow us? And that's the group we call like a small group before, but now it's a big, big community. And all the mom now easily to like approach that group and approach that, um, we call it method, mm. to like raise a kid in, a, in an easy way. That's a good thing. That's a really, really good for a community of the, of the young mom. No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've been asked this and I'm sure you figured this out time management because not only are you a mom but you're also working you're also trying to build a career and develop your finances mm -hmm. how, how how did you manage that how do you manage that i suppose that that's a that's a word i give to everyone whenever it comes to time management parity it's like i need to know how to put parities in some sort of time so for example like after divorce i put three years i put my career in the parity i know that we ship the child that the, the, my son as a parties all the time, but that was a time that I need to focus more about how to make money to feed him in the long term. So I focused on my career for like two or three years. I, I came to Chimik City for stay a couple of years, and I came back to Hanoi. And I was like, okay, I'm at some stage of my career already. I know what I'm doing. I know like what position, what the career path going. I'll come back to Hanoi, and I, now I put my son in parity. So like everything's around him. If I want to work something, you need to be in Hanoi first. And like all the things I want to like uh, buy something, I need to, okay, this is the money that I save for him first. And then I save money for other things, parties here. <laughs> yeah, sure. Drink here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like, if you enjoy a party, which I know you do from as you met, <laughs> like that, that, that goes right below on the priorities, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, but like, yeah, so that's why we say like parties because before doing that, before doing like all the funds and stuff, I fulfilled to all this tick lead for doing for my son already. That's, that's the thing, you put priorities in the thing, you follow it. Absolutely, yeah, and you live with your son? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. How, how old is he now? Uh, he's coming nine this nice. August. Wow, what, what day is his birthday? 31st. Oh, damn, I was gonna say, like, we nearly <laughs> share the same birthday. I know a lot of people born in August, including myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's he like in terms of, as, how have you seen him grow up? Because obviously you had, it, had him young, and mm. you're still young yourself. Like, how has it been being a young parent and seeing a young person from you grow up? Connor, I, I need to tell you that if you keep asking about my son, I will tell you, I can talk about him all day. Great. He's such an angel. He's an independent kid. I can, I can see that he's going to be a very successful and humble man. That, at least a gentleman that I always want him to be. Um, he's so independent. He's nine, coming, he's coming nine next month. He woke up himself every day. He like prepared for school every day. I didn't even need to wake up. I stayed in bed and he's just prepared himself for school go on the bus and like hop in the bus and go to school. He studied really well. And one thing that I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not happy, it's just so different for me because I'm very sporty. You know I'm sporty, Yes, I right? do know you're sporty and we are going to talk not, about He's not sporty at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he loves reading, he loves playing chess, like making time for himself, doing coding classes and like doing, I don't know, puzzle and stuff more than going out and like, you know, we try a lot. We like put him into the football class and basketball class, boxing class. He's just not 
Yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, I'm obviously thinking hypothetically as it's not happened, mm -hmm. but I'm thinking how to like raise my kid. Mm -hmm. As in, do I throw him into hobbies that I like and hope he's a mini me, especially if he's a boy? Mm -hmm. Or do I, I suppose, do I give him unorthodox things that I would never do? Like, mm -hmm. let me think, ballet, for example. Mm -hmm. And if he thrives, do I go down that route? It can be tricky, I suppose, like not forcing your kids to do something, mm -hmm. but make, because hobbies are very important. Yeah. But making sure that they have something it's a tricky balance. It's a thing of like you offer. Now we have we have a chance to offer him a lot of opportunities. So you offer him all things. I offer him a lot of things. Mm. Books is one of the things. Chess is one of the things. Now I also like buy a pool table for him to try it. So everything you need to try it. Then he found out like what he likes. Yeah. Then you leave him to design what he likes. That's the perfect way, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think I've listened to Dr. Phil before say, mm. just go to as many different activities with your son or daughter as possible. Yeah. See what they take to, mm -hmm. leave it to them. Yeah. 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 Where there's no point, I suppose, where I think it's the musical Billy Elliot, where mm -hmm. he loves dancing, uh -huh. but his dad wants him to be a boxer. And these two are very, you know, yeah, parallel worlds. But, yeah, he's forcing him to be a boxer. He's like, no, I want to dance. And I've never actually seen it, but I presume, right, because it's a musical, that I guess he becomes a dancer. Mm. We'll find out, I suppose. But I feel like, yeah, that thing of letting them decide for themselves yeah. is crucial. But then, from a disciplinarian point of view, mm. from having autonomy, you also have to like, show you're in charge. And I suppose, like, make sure that they can't take advantage of you. How do you, I suppose, maintain that? friendly but firm approach? Mm, that's a very tricky one. Um, I, my idea of raising a kid is listening. So like I listen to him a lot. Like even he chose a very proper bad idea, I need to listen why you chose that, why, why. So listen first and then maybe give him options. So I never, I have a rule of my life, um, kind of philosophy in my life, never say no to a kid. So I would find a way to go around that by not saying no, but like find a way to go around actually saying no, but like you give options. Uh -huh. So he choose, he's still the one who make decision. But like, you know, you choose one or two, both of it good for me. But yeah, you, you make, you don't push him to say no for the kid. That is very effective psychology because yeah. you both win from that situation. Yeah. And if a child hears no, either their instinct is, I suppose resentment or mm. anger of, oh, they said no to me and you feel annoyed or rebellion where they might do it anyway just yeah, to annoy you. Yeah, yeah. Whilst if you do that compromise effect of yeah. saying no, but not saying quite no, saying not, no. I'm yeah. not saying a, a, an N-O word, but yeah. I, going around and say, do you think that you should choose either of this option and these options, maybe bring on that a different uh, option to him. And he chose, and eventually he's the one who choose. That's I'm, I'm not the choose, yeah. yeah that's but listen is the key for the kid. Absolutely. I think listening yeah. is really like, I mean, it's a good skill for everything, not just for the kid, even yeah. for your relationship or your family, you need to listen a lot. And then yeah. I think for our kid is very important that he, sometimes that's a thing, a tricky thing also in Vietnam, they provide the kid more than what the kid needs mm. and not what the kid needs. So yeah. if you listen carefully, you will see that, okay, the kid needs this and you can show them what you can offer this is very interesting and I love the fact you've mentioned this. I've sat here with over 400 people and a common theme that keeps coming up when related to people's childhoods, which often is the point where things go wrong, shall we mm -hmm. say, within our minds, is that they didn't feel heard or seen or valued mm. or they were forced to do things that they didn't want to do yeah. and then subsequently made choices just to please or appease mm. their parents. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to spot patterns over time mm. now where if somebody says, yeah, when I was 16, I went became a sportsman because my dad wanted me to be when I really <laughs> wanted to be 
in economics or uh-huh. something, and I'm like, oh, I know this is going to go wrong. Before they even tell me the story, yeah. I know. So this is almost what you've described is letting them choose and also like giving them the, the core thing that everybody wants as a kid and mm. as an adult, which is just to be seen and heard and listened to. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I used to, I used to um, teach in the little gym. They have a lot of nice philosophy to work with the kid. So for example, like when you talk to the kid, you're not standing. You try to like give it the same level. You know that. You, I do. You, yeah, you know I'm a that. teacher. Yeah, I'm a teacher. Yeah, yeah. You do the same level and talk to them, and then try to be balanced the listening and talking, so they never feel like they've been covered. Mm. They've been like you know, not listen enough and stuff. Can I ask you? Because I feel like this will be the main reference that we all have. I feel like if you're a parent, you're naturally going to parent your kid as. You might do this actually. You're either going to just subconsciously do this or deliberately not to, depending on your experience. Uh-huh. And it is to parent your child as your parents parented you. Have you done that or have you taken the opposite approach? Mm, I'm not really copying my parents, like the parenting from my parents. Mm. My parents are traditional Vietnamese, come on, <laughs> we can't <laughs> copy that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, some, of, some of the things that, um, it happens to me in the past also when I was a kid, when my mom said no to something, then I was like, I want to do it so bad. I just like really, really want to do it. I need to do it so bad, and it was like that happened. So I, I didn't want to make that with my with my son. Absolutely, that's something that maybe try to make it different from the point of view of me. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's natural when someone says, for example, if I was a kid and I said I want to play Xbox, mm. even if I only just about wanted to play, mm. if they said no to me, I would really want to play. Yeah, and I would. It's, it's natural psychology. You yeah, want what you can't have. Yeah, it's a natural have. one. It's not yeah. even like it's not even tricky that everyone, everyone do that. Yeah, exactly. Don't love me, baby. You will love them so much. <laughs> yeah, I wonder about discipline. As a lot of my Vietnamese friends have a very traditional Vietnamese household, mm-hmm. which appear, as they tell me, to be very strict. Mm-hmm. Now, is your approach kind of differing away from that? Is it a bit more unorthodox? I, I mean, I know you have your strict moments, but is it a bit different? Sorry again? Uh, apparently, usual Vietnamese households are very strict. Is your yeah. approach a bit more like understanding and on the same wavelength? Uh, me, myself. Yeah. I will. I have disciplines for sure. We have it quite clear, discipline. So like, this is what I want. This is what I, you can achieve, blah, blah. And it make it clear with this with this with my son. Absolutely. Like, um, we have some some small rules like what time you go to bed, what time you need to like what 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 around town. For example, I get him to play computer for like fifteen minutes to an half an hour per day. I leave him to decide whatever he wants to play that amount of time. Even if play five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, okay. But like you have fifteen minutes only, you divide yourself. Absolutely. So that that's a, some some sort of small things. Then we negotiate also sometimes. You're okay with that? You're too short with that? Do you need more time? It's fine, but you need to negotiate. And then he learns how to like negotiate his own needs, his own demand also. Absolutely. Yeah. And but we have rules. Of for course, sure. there has to be rules. Yeah, there always has to be a balance. Like yeah. We're talking about negotiation and fair play and mm. understanding, but you also have to have non-negotiables, yeah. rules, things you won't no, tolerate, yeah, yeah, things yeah. you will accept. Do you have any? I talk a lot with this within cultural organizations of non-negotiable behaviors like honesty, kindness, fairness, mm-hmm. equality, integrity. Mm-hmm. Do you have any like non-negotiable behaviors at home between you and your son? Mm. There's something like not yelling at the house or like not close the door before I'm finishing my thing. It was something like I never yell at him or he's an angel. So sorry, I can I can never be yelling oh. at him. <laughs> But we have some sort of things where I'm kind of sad, or like I feel I talk to him like this action make me a bit sad when he's like when he's mm, that was a time he just suddenly like 
close the door before I'm actually finishing. He want to talk to to his friend. I was like, that that action makes me a bit sad. So like, stop doing that. We we don't do that. And some sort of like uh, communicate absolutely with with feedback straight away. I love that sentence. Goal. That action made me sad because mm. you're blaming the action and not him, which mm. is crucial. Yeah, yeah. Because if you start saying you always do this, you no, always no, no, mm, no, no, dangerous, no, no. right? So like with with kid, you need to be very specific. If you want to praise him, praise him very specific. What he's doing good, what he's doing not well, what the action of him make you sad. So they they will know how to improve themselves. And they will know. Kids love praising. You praise him, but any chance? Even I even I want to comment some bad things to him. I want to, him to improve something. I still comment on the good thing first. Say, oh, you're doing this good, but could you please blah 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 blah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm wondering here, we're talking about very, we, we say basic skills, but they're often not as used in workplaces and environments as they should, which mm. is like communication, negotiation, mm. fair play. Are you able to take these lessons that you've learned from perhaps motherhood? I'm, I'm sure you knew these already, but mm. you obviously have to practice them. Are you able to take these lessons from motherhood into other areas of your life? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. When you, I think, well, I think the, the kid actually will, like, did teach me a lot about Uh, how to communicating with people like I'd say to that with everyone if you want to deal with anything with uh, a relationship or friendship or I don't know with people in general you use that method that you use with the kid be more patient more listening negotiating communicating like everything like do the same thing that you're doing with the kid so it's, it helps me a lot absolutely and I'm sure yeah. you learn lessons from him as well yeah yeah what are some of the things he's taught you maybe do you have any that spring to mind mm. Oh, he's he's uh, he's got a lot of things. So like last time when he got back home, oh, this is a long story, but I went trying to make it short. When he back home, we say hi to me, say hi, and he's got like like a fingers on his on 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 his face, and I was like, what 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 happened? And he didn't say, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. But I found it is not fine. So he went to his room, and I went like follow, and I said, what happened? You need to tell me because I know that it's not something not right. He's like someone hit him on the, on the face on the bus and I was like oh my gosh I was really terrified but I know that if I'm terrified he will be more terrified so I just really calm down like try to ask him like oh, okay you okay you feel like hurt or something anyone protect you anyone say anything on the bus or you just suffer yourself he said no no my friends protected me and the the moderator also really like yelling at the kid already So I did ask him, like, do you need me having any action on that? Should I call the teacher about it? He was like, can you give me one day? Then I will come back to you if I need any action. And then the next day I said, are you okay now? I was really hurt, Connor. If you see your kid being hidden by anyone, mm. you got hurt so much, I can't sleep the whole night. The next day I asked him, he was like, mom is all right now. I talked to the, to the other child, like he's like a year older. Uh, and just say like, are you okay? What happened last, like yesterday? And he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I just got blah, blah. And they deal with that. The things that he deal with things after he got hurt touched me a lot. Like, like it's touched my heart so much. It's like how, how, how a kid can do that. Why sometimes I missed, really like misbehave with someone. Like mm. I mistalk with someone. I misunderstand someone. You know what I mean? Right? Having that compassion, empathy rather mm. than judgment where he will ask what's wrong with you for yeah. doing that. Where so he like will, yeah. so straightforward. Sometimes now we are not all. We are a bit shy. We are a bit like try to avoid problems. But the kid, they're so pure. Just come straight away. What's wrong? Yeah. What happened, dude? That's very mature for nine years old. Because so, I, I know people who are in their 30s who if somebody did that to them, yeah. they'd cause hate campaigns and resentment for the next 10 years. <laughs> well, he just sorted it the next day. 
yeah. I love that. I really love that. I think like that that's the thing that he really, really, really um, showed me how mature he actually is, and mm. also how we should approach a problem when we are like we oh adult already. We could say that's testament to your parenting, maybe. Huh? It was testament to your parenting. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, I don't want to be overly flatter you, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you. you should take some pride. Yeah, we've talked a lot about motherhood. Is there anything you'd like to add before we go on to something else that I know you love, which is boxing? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Anything you'd like to add about motherhood? Any final thoughts? Any messages to us? I'd say aspiring mothers, um, expecting mothers. There we go. Um, nah, I really, I really think that um, the thing that I want to emphasize again is just like it's lovely to be a mom. It's lovely. I love, I love my motherhood so much, but. If you want to have a kid, please be ready. Yeah, and have a really... Physically, mentally, yeah. financially. Deep conversation with yourself, to be honest, are you really ready? Yeah, and then go really for it. ready. Yeah. We talked about time management, about how you manage a career and mm. a son. Like, a lot of people would assume that your child would take up all your time, but mm. I know that you also need to have time for yourself, your friends, your hobbies, mm. and I know one of your hobbies is boxing. Yeah. How's that been? Since we, <laughs> since we last spoke, which was May 21. Uh, back at fourth. Well, let me see. That's the last time we say, yeah. Okay, so it's been locked down. Yeah. So the gym closed for a while. So I've been off that spot for too long. When I first back, and I told my coach, I was like, shit, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> it's too much. But yeah, now I'm back again. And we're actually building the community in the boxing gym again. It's like Muay Thai gym again. And it's gone well. We start to like have a communication with all the fights, and they have. Like the lockdown's over, COVID's gone. So we go back to like all the um, fighting things. So I'm signing up myself now to some of a pro fight, like sorry, semi-pro fights. Yeah, I saw that actually, um, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, some like applying now, just that. And then also like watch out my way and always try, always being ready. If they call out to some for a fight, I would just go down or like uh, down for it. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. The training's been hard, but um, paid up sometimes. Yeah. What do you love the most about fighting? I think I might have asked you this in May, but I'll ask you again now we've caught up. About fighting or about training in general? So like it's both. Both. So like training, you got that's a lot, of, a lot of things. You got first of all, you you have a habit. It's then important to have a habit. We we talked about it last we time. We did, yeah, yeah. The, the very very like essential thing for me, like having a habit, like to keep it going, and you can balance your work life balance, and you leave all the stress out and stuff, and like. Um, for fighting, it's another level of like you're training for, you're aiming for um, like something. Like you aim, you, you train to get the fight. You, you train you for aim a goal. To like, yeah, you train for something. You're not trained for just. If you train, it's, it's fine. If you train for fun. If you train for fitness, it's okay still. But if you want to train for for fight, it's a really really serious job, and it's like it's really like motivate me a lot to do it. Absolutely. Would your son ever go into fighting? <laughs> Never. Never. <laughs> he was like, um, I, he, I, I brought him to the gym sometimes to watch me just practice, but he didn't really enjoy the boxing gym. I, well, let's say we offer him a lot. Like normally I just give him one time, he say, I don't like it, it's fine, leave it. Boxing I gave him twice or three times, I actually bought him a month, <laughs> force him to try it because yeah, I like it. Of course. But it's also good for a kid to know how to protect himself. So, oh yeah, usually. So yeah. yeah, I did try a lot but he's still not really keen on, so maybe I just need to keep it up. How does he feel watching his mom like get in there and do battle? He never he never actually see. Oh. Um, we did try to like get a, like, a bit sparring at the gym only. But he's not really patient at that time, I think. And it is fine for him to just... I've shown him some of the video of me, uh, like, boxing and stuff. Um, but he, like, 
just seems okay, not too really terrified. Excellent. And when do you see, or is this hard to answer? Like, if you have a semi-professional fight, when do you think this would be? Where or when? When, sorry. Uh, we are applying for, I think, one coming in October. No, nice. around. Okay. Yeah, we we hope we expecting to have someone in something in August, but like, it didn't happen. So like, we're now aiming for October in down south actually. Nice, excellent. Oh, down south. Oh, that's good. That's good Second. actually. I was about to mention that I'm going up north to do like a 10k at some point, so I mm -hmm. could like stop by if it was that weekend, but if mm -hmm. it's since I gone, I could definitely come to a tent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that'd be sweet, definitely it. Yeah. I tell let, everyone about it. Let me know, yeah, I'll, I'm sure I will see your like posts and whatnot, but I'll yeah. come watch you, I'll come cheer. <laughs> I'll be like your Saigonese, Saigonese cheerleader without any outfit or whatnot. <laughs> that'd be wicked, that'd be excellent. Yeah, thank you. Uh, have you got anything you'd like to add before we wrap up for the second time, Meeg? I've really enjoyed hearing about motherhood and values and things mm. you've learned, and also like what you've done since we've last spoken. You got anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? Uh, I think it's good for now. Um, I'm a very, very in the term was like mental health is good. Everything is like a balance. My work life, my motherhood and stuff. I have summer break for my son probably. So <laughs> I happy at the moment. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you get to visit Saigon, and it's great to catch up again. I hope yeah. we. I'm sure we will. We'll do a round three at some point whenever this whenever. is after you win your fight. And <laughs> yeah, always great to chat me. Thank Take you care. so much, Connor. All my pleasure.